0: They might not have hair, but they really do care about
1: faith and life. Two Bald
0: Pastors. From our world headquarters in Kensington, Connecticut, it's the Two Bald Pastors Podcast. (laughs) Connecting real faith and real life. I'm Jeff Abaldo. And I'm Joe McGarry. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving in congregations of the New England Synod, in the evangelical lutheran church in america or as we like to call it the elca we are in the middle of john chapter 6
1: i love john chapter 6 i was hoping we could do like 5 weeks on it <laughs> guess what your wish has come true we are doing 5 weeks on john chapter 6 and i and i misspoke we're not actually at the middle that would
0: be next week. We're actually only on the second one, which tells you how daunting a task it is.
1: So we are here on John chapter six, and yeah, it is, uh, it feels like we're in the third or fourth week, and it's only week two.
0: It does. So last week we talked about the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which is uh, John 6, 1 through 15. Uh, we, we barely scraped across Jesus water skiing at the end of when he walks on the water, actually. Uh, We didn't really talk about that. But now we're back on the ground uh, with the crowd who are going to be seeking Jesus and they want something from him, do they not?
1: They do. So we start with uh, verse 24, and I'll read it this week. When the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got up into the boats and came to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I assure you that you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate all the food you wanted. Don't work for the food that doesn't last, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the human one will give you. God the Father has confirmed him as his agent to give life. They asked, What must we do in order to accomplish what God requires? Jesus replied, This is what God requires, that you believe in him who God sent. They asked, What miraculous signs will you do that we can see and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, just as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus told them, I assure you, it wasn't Moses who gave the bread from heaven to you, but my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. The bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said, Sir, give us this bread all the time. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty.
0: All right, so there's a lot going on here in this conversation back and forth between Jesus and the people. And it seems to me that they're not connecting on the same level.
1: Nope, that not, not connecting at all. You know, they just had this wonderful meal provided to them, bread and fish, and then Jesus and the disciples kind of get out of there to kind of separate themselves, but the crowd follows them, and they want more food.
0: Yes, they want more food, and they want more signs, and they want more visual aids to help them see who God is. But Jesus invites them into something else.
1: <laughs> something that they don't want, right? Him. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he tries to explain it to them, and they just don't get it. And one of the things that uh, I, I think is these people, they don't get who Jesus is. I ask myself, well, why not? But then I realize how many times in our lives do we not get who Jesus is, and and how many times do we ask for maybe the the wrong thing.
0: Or you focus on the wrong thing, and they're good things, yeah, right? Yeah, it's I mean, not it's, bad. It's a good thing that Jesus fed them, and it's a good thing that they responded and wanted more. And what he tries to tell them, it seems to me, is to say, well, what you need to seek is is what God's doing through me, and continue to seek, seek that gift rather than all these other things. But they get hung up on all those other things. And, I don't know, that seems a lot like congregational life to me. <laughs>
1: yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's it's
0: one who moved my cheese conversation after the next. Right. It seems like in churches because people think the stuff is is the main thing. So, you know, heaven forbid you, you you move where the robes are hung up one week and then they're in a different place that's actually makes more sense from a logistical standpoint, but that's not where they go. Right, right. Or whatever it is. I just made that
1: up, but it's the, the wallpaper conversations that we talked about a few weeks oh ago. Oh my gosh, isn't it ever? It is <laughs>
0: wallpaper all the time.
1: So, so people are coming up to, to us, maybe, as the pastor of the church and say, we need more youth programs, we need more fellowship opportunities, we need more this, and, and our reply most of the time is, we need more Jesus, right? Yeah, I think the question,
0: I mean, a good question behind that is, well, why do we need all those things? Right. Are we are we doing it just to keep ourselves busy or because we think that's what we're supposed to do? Because isn't that what they're doing here in the story? Uh what are we supposed to do? Tell us what we need to do. Just give us the plan. Yep. And then we'll have it. And the plan is to follow Jesus. So if it's if it's not doing that, it's in the way.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's great to have programs that do things, but they should be they should be lapping you back around to, to show you who Jesus is and what what Jesus is up to.
1: Yep. And really what we are called to do as Christians for the sake of the world. Our friend David Hansen wrote on his blog the other day, and we'll link it in the description about mission statements.
0: Yep, I've had a few conversations about that with folks after yep. having reposted that.
1: And how churches have these eloquent mission statements, but we really don't know what they are or abide by them. and, and
0: Or if they even say anything, really. Right,
1: right. And coming here to uh, Prince of Peace, outside of our sanctuary, we have this plaque that says, God's people care. And when I mentioned that in my first sermon here, everybody knew it. When I mentioned that, everybody's nodding their heads, yes, yes, and then I asked the question, what does that really mean? And that's a harder question to answer, and I think that's one of the things that really connects me to this is when, when they ask, what must we do to accomplish what God requires? And Jesus says, believe in me, And when we say, well, what what is our purpose here? Our purpose here for for this congregation is to care. And what does that mean? And that's something that we all need to to kind of figure out. It's not as simple as writing three things down and saying, okay, go do this, and that means you care. It it goes deeper than that. Right, right.
0: But whatever our mission statements are, or whatever our activities are or whatever stuff we use to get there i mean isn't it all about just trying to get closer to jesus yeah i mean isn't that what it should be pointing to i mean i think i think that's what i get out of this passage that in a way just hits me right in the forehead and says look we're focused on the stuff too much and or even our own stories i mean that look they go back and say but what about the manna you know they want to go back and rehash that whole story where god provided for them in the wilderness and uh you know, even though they didn't have food to eat god God fed them, and uh well, they just had this wonderful meal so so where's lunch
1: <laughs> right <laughs> oh, that's I think that's interesting too, you know that you bring that up when you know because we also hear about that in churches right when right. when they say, well, what about when it was back in the fifties and churches were busting at the seams, and we couldn't get enough chairs to fill our pews, and now we're you know let's go back and do things the way that we used to do there
0: right or even the 90s which is 20 years ago. Right. Not
1: 20 years ago, is it? Yeah, sorry. Oh my gosh, I'm
0: so old. But you hear that too, you know, yeah. it's um I, I remember reading this one thing, I think it was Carrie Newhoff. It says every church is caught in which decade it is caught in a different decade, you just have to determine which one it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it could be th- this decade, but it, you know, everybody is is doing exactly what you're saying is you make it about, well, this is the thing we did that worked that one time, so isn't that what we're always supposed to do?
1: Yeah. But something that starts in this week and kind of follows us through the rest of the our time in, in chapter 6 are these questions that uh, the people ask and that Jesus asks.
0: It really the, is a conversation he's having. Yeah. In um, other parts in, of John, you know, Jesus will do one of these signs, and then he's got kind of a long sermon afterwards about kind of its implications and and what it's supposed to mean. But here it really is a dialogue.
1: Yeah. And that's really neat. So the first question is, Rabbi, what did you get here? That's in verse 25. The second one in this reading is, what must we do in order to accomplish what God requires?
0: What sign are you going to give us? What so sign that, are you going to give so us? So that we may see and believe you, verse 30.
1: And, and Jesus gives answers to all these, and maybe not the answers that they want to hear, but he does give answers to these questions. And I I think that that's kind of neat looking at it as a conversation between Jesus and and the people.
0: The other thing it reminds me of a little bit is is the catechism, because the catechism is questions and answers. So it's, okay, you know, what is this holy meal of Jesus? You know, it's the true body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ given in, with, and under the bread and wine, right? We kind of know these little phrases that we have because we've We've heard the questions and answers and we've re- repeated them back time and time and time again. And I would think for maybe John's community or whoever he's writing to here, that this story of Jesus being opened up in this way is to let them in on that so that we as the the hearer of this story can, can explore it because we do get kind of caught up in the wrong stuff.
1: Yeah. So one of the questions I know that I've asked what sign god are you giving me so that i know what i need to do next and going as far as back as when i was choosing which college to go to or whether i should go to seminary or not all these we we want to make sure we're making the right decision on these some of these important events in our life and and i know i asked god saying god i need to know if this is the right decision for me you need to to let me know. Unfortunately, that doesn't always happen. (laughs) (laughs) But yet you've still made decisions. You still make decisions, you still move forward. Sometimes there are those little nuances in your life that that help you make those decisions, but it's not always easy. And, And I think that that's something that the people are asking Jesus, what signs will you do so we know? Because we've seen the signs before in our history. And... Jesus told them, I assure you, it wasn't Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but it was God who gave you the true bread from heaven. Just turning it back to a spiritual decision rather than a decision based on the physical nature, you're you're filling your stomach or whatever.
0: Uh, Just thinking about those signs a little bit. So you recently made a huge major life decision because you guys moved. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, in the church, we have a call process, so we kind of... It's not just your decision. There's a lot of factors that went into it. But if you wouldn't mind sharing just what were some of the signs that you kind of discovered along the way that made you think, okay, yeah, this is where God's calling us next.
1: It first began... Besides having me closer to you. <laughs> it, it first began in you know, a, a, an external aspect of it where I knew that I needed to make a, a change of my call and I knew that it was going to be hard, and I knew that there were many things um, that I was going to miss about where we were, the church, the community, my family, uh, their reaction, and, and all that. But when I first got the call of to interview here at the church, I was a little hesitant because most of my family is in northern New England, not southern New England moving further away from family was definitely something that we considered, but I think it was the energy of renewal and the openness for people to change here in in this church that I was drawn to. And for me, a lot of the decisions that I make is not only in, in my head, because I, I wrestle with that, but also in my gut, and whether I have this feeling that, yes, this is feels like a good connection or not. Uh, there were some uh, determining factors in when I came here and saw the building and learned about the history and and tried to think about that in a way and tried to envision myself here and envision my family participating in the life here and talking with my wife about, oh, what about the school system and, and all that? And, and when as as we had those conversations, it's not what are the things that are drawing us, but but how can we not do this? You know what I mean? Um, I do, I yeah. do, I'm, uh, yeah. It hasn't always been easy, and it still continues. You know, we've only been here a couple of weeks, and it still continues to be tough in some ways because we do miss the life that we built over the last, you know, four and a half years in, in Massachusetts. But I think looking forward and the possibilities of of life in here is going to be great. I, I definitely feel the spirit moving in our life and, and how things are turning out, so.
0: Uh, awesome. Yeah, that's great.
1: Have you had a signs? In, I mean, you've changed some calls and I have, made some decisions. Yeah, I've, and
0: I've changed calls. I've been in four churches now, and uh, I wonder about that sometimes. But the to me, the the determining factor is usually, you know, if this is from me or if it's not. Because, you know, every once in a while I'd be like, wouldn't it be great if I did this? You know, right, you, you have right. those inklings every once in a while. But uh, each of my calls has come from outside of me. It's not been me looking for it. It was it finding me. So whether that was the assignment process sending me to a place I never even considered even thinking about serving um, to uh, going back to the congregation that I was an intern at and I, I was just talking to my old supervisor seeking counsel on some projects I was working on and I was kind of invited back into conversation about coming back to be the second pastor there. To uh, sit around the dinner table one evening, and the phone rang, and it was the Senate office saying, hey, we got this church for you. And, you know, I wasn't even thinking about being anywhere else at the time.
1: Right. To uh,
0: other other times, I've I've been invited into. Okay, maybe would you like to explore this? And maybe I would explore it a little bit, and then it just it wouldn't feel right, or it it felt more like mm, I th- I think I'm I'm wanting that more than it's really where I'm being pushed or pulled. So those things come up every once in a while. I mean, I'm a, I know you've had these experiences, too. You're just kind of tootling around, and then you get a phone call or an email from somebody who says, hey, Joe, you would be great for this. And right, you're like, right. well, I don't know. And you just have to, you, I think you really do have to just kind of dwell in it for a little bit and figure out if it's somebody just having a nice thought or idea or if it really is kind of the spirit at work. And that's that's the discernment piece. But for me, it's always about, like, if it's, if it's me... Uh, saying this is what I want to go do. I usually tend to be a lot more reluctant about that or, yeah. or trust it a little less than somebody else saying to me, have you thought about this? And um, I mean, that's true in the in the parish too. Sometimes you have like these grand plans of everything you're going to do and implement and then somebody says, well, what if we did this? And they're like, I hadn't thought of that. Right. Um, like the current place I'm in, I, I didn't go look and do a building project but it kind of fell in our lap and it seemed, seemed like all the signs were we need to do this now or never and of course it could have been done another time but it just it felt like a real outside sense of urgency placed upon us to do it. So yeah. i like okay I know it's going to be a challenge but if that's where we're being called that's what we should do. But for me that's usually what it is. And then the the other like quirky part about it is just because in our tradition you can have families, you can't just say all right let's try it. You've got to really yep. you've got to dwell in that and think of the implications it's going to mean for you know spouses and kids and what all that entails because it's not just you it's it's the, the lot of you you know. Yeah. And uh, different people dwell in that a little bit differently and involve. The family in that conversation in various ways, and however it's done, I'm sure it's fine. It works differently for everybody, but that's been my experience. And I, I think as pastors, when you're preaching or counseling somebody, or just kind of planning stuff, I think to to try to help provoke questions that invite people into something that maybe they hadn't thought about before is good too, because that can help lead the group, and even you, into a a new place that you hadn't really—you didn't think that was where it was going to go.
1: You know, we're talking about our calls into ministry and and different churches, and—but for those of you who are listening, you know, if you're not a pastor and haven't had those experiences being called to a a church, you have those vocational experiences, you know, the jobs that you are participating in, or—
0: Yeah, people switch switch jobs. What goes into that decision-making? And how do you know if it's... Well, I I mean, it's worth asking. How do you know if it's it's you leading that change or if it's God pushing you in that direction? And I think everybody can probably answer that a little differently, too. But I think to actually ask that question rather than just to say, you know, because it pays more or the hours are better, which are good reasons, certainly. But is it a place where you can... Use the gifts you've been given to help whatever it is you're there to do. And again, I mean, just kind of where all of this is, I mean, the reason why Jesus responds in the way that he does to their questions is he's trying to invite people ultimately to follow him and to to move us closer to walking with him. So what do we need to do? What's the right plan? I mean, we talked about two different ways this happened for us. There isn't one. No, right. The right thing is to keep the focus on Jesus and go there. Yep. And clear the clear the other distractions out of the way.
1: And I think that helps in the decision process and, and keeps you grounded a little bit. I know that when I start to lose that focus of my faith and, and try to take it into my hands instead of place it in God's hands, I get a little more stressed about it. And I get a little more right. anxious about it. and saying, yeah, Me too. Because I feel the burden on my shoulders right. trying to make that decision instead of trusting that God is going to lead us in the right direction.
0: Yeah, I've got a new friend at our church who I've gotten to know over the course of the last year, and his line that he, it's like a refrain. He keeps coming back to again and again and again, is, hey, it's not about me. Right, right. And I just think that's a beautiful way of just going about whatever it is we're doing. If it's If it's about following Jesus, going where that is, let the details work themselves out. Not not being dumb about it, but right, it, right. You know, trying to be wise about it. But that, that's where the, the good things come from, or open us to a, maybe a different way we would have missed.
1: So this is uh, the second installment of our series on John chapter 6. Uh, thank you for joining us on this. Uh, I'm just going to mention this briefly, and we'll talk about it next week, just kind of give you a little preview. But this passage ends with the I am statement. I am the bread of life whoever comes to me will never be hungry, whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So that is one of seven? I think it's like
0: nine or even nine? ten, depending okay. on how you number them, because there's a couple of uh, I'm the light of the worlds in there.
1: Right, right.
0: But the, the big key with that, I mean, especially with John's gospel, it's is it's it really the revealing of, of who Jesus is. And I am is God's big opening statement in Exodus to Moses, which this... This passage alludes to a little bit is, you know, when the burning bush is there and Moses is standing, well, how do I know who it is? Right. <laughs> what, God, what, what name do you go by God? And God just says, I am. So get to it.
1: <laughs>
0: so uh, Jesus plays on that in John's gospel in particular, many different ways. I'm the light of the world. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life and uh i'm the vine, i'm the vine, i'm the gatekeeper, i'm the gate, yep all that all that great stuff, but uh I'm the way, truth and life, but here you've where this whole chapter of John six centers around, i think is that verse that I'm the bread of life, yep, so we're gonna keep working on this with you and uh invite you to uh explore this passage a little bit uh, as we continue on next week. And, uh, you know, you should, you should think of, since this is a, it's rooted in a lot of questions, you should read these passages and kind of write down your own questions and maybe share them with some others and uh, maybe even your pastor and, and think about where Jesus is calling you together.
1: So thank you for joining us on this uh, podcast episode. Once again, we are the Two Bald Pastors, helping you connect your faith with your life. I'm Joe McGarry. And I'm Jeff Sinebaldo. Take care and be blessed.
0: Bye now. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. to bald pastors.
1: From our old home court there.